0: Welcome aboard Just Jets with your captain, Matt O'Leary. Buckle up and enjoy the ride.
1: Welcome to Just Jets, episode number 122. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary. We have a few things to get into. One, a lot of voicemails today. I love it. Thank you for calling in and checking in with me. I appreciate all the love and support there. We're going to go through, answer your questions. We have uh, a little bit of a convo to get into about poor, poor, poor Garrett Wilson. But before all of that, a word from our sponsors of the show, Manscaped Summers. Here the sun is shining, shirts are off, and your ball are smooth silky smooth you heard that right your friends at manscaped are here to make sure your beach balls are as smooth as floridian sand in summer you want to kill some cold beers and barbecues not kill the vibe with pubes peeking out of your swim trunks come on now you're better than that that's why manscaped has their performance package 4.0 to keep the party in your pants looking crisp and refreshing all summer long dive head first into summer by joining the 4 million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with my promo code jets 20 that two zero for 20% off and free shipping you can get yourself something nice so for today's episode, at the top, I wanted to talk about poor old Garrett Wilson. I, I'm i so excited to see Garrett Wilson on the football field, but there is a story or end slash video. If you haven't seen the video, he was on the Pivot podcast, uh, which is a show hosted by some former NFL players. For instance, Fred Taylor and Ryan Clark are a couple of the hosts. Uh, and I think there's someone else. Forgive me. I'm forgetting who the third person is. But the point is, he was explaining that he has to take the wide receiver room out to a rookie dinner, which is normal you know the rookies have to take guys out and there's a little bit of I don't know if hazing's the right word because it's not like I don't know it's not like frat hazing but you, you have to pay your dues is that is that fair uh and he was explaining oh yeah i have this rookie dinner it's going to be cool and the guys were like no 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 it's not no it's not uh and they, red taylor and ryan clark are telling him like dude you're going to be out 75000 <laughs> in the face that garrett wilson made When they told him he was going to have to pay $75,000 out of his pocket to take these guys out to dinner, he was like, there's no way. He was like, there's no way. I'm not paying that. And they were like, oh, you think you have a choice, sir? Sir, you think there's a choice in all of this? Uh, So they're going to run the bill up on him. And I'm sure Corey Davis, Elijah Moore is going to have his fun. Denzel Mims, all these guys. But Garrett Wilson, they know he got, was it, $20 million guaranteed because he's the 10th overall pick. He's going to get a lot of money and uh, they, they're going to take advantage. But it's always kind of like similar where you see like at the end of the year with the rookies getting like rookie quarterbacks, getting their offensive linemen gifts. And sometimes like you see some good stuff and other times you see like, like, really, that was the gift. Like I forget, was it Zach last year or somebody a few years ago that got their like tires stolen off of their car? Um, And it was because they got a crappy, crappy gift or they gave a crappy gift. Like, you don't want to do that. You want to appreciate the the vets before you uh, because they've you know kind of paved the way for you. And like, I don't know, it's it's team bonding stuff. As long as it doesn't cross any lines like, I don't know, like the frat hazing is a little bit different. It's like, hey, we're going to force you to drink a god, ungodly amounts of alcohol. And if you get alcohol poisoning and die, well, that's on you like not like that it's all in good fun in this in this case and it, it's team bonding stuff and they seem like a really tight-knit group like for instance flight 2022 was this past week um a great documentary my review on, on it is uh on youtube if you haven't watched that uh, if you haven't checked out flight 2022 on the jets youtube channels you absolutely should because it's it's phenomenal they did a really good job the jets social team is tremendous their video coverage team is tremendous uh, but my overall one of my overall takeaways was just how much of a tight knit group it really seems to be for this team, and like this is all a part of it. Uh, when you go into battle week in and week out with your guys, you you have to be close, you have to be tight knit, because you want to be saying like, all right, like I will put my body on the line, I'll do whatever it takes to get a win for not only myself but for this team, and that's part of the culture that the Jets are building here is because in years gone by, when this team has been really bad, for instance, the Gase era and the end, most of, let's be honest, most of the Todd Bowles era, there wasn't much of a culture here. It was like a bunch of like, it felt like a bunch of individual guys and like, yeah, there were some nice moments, but I'm hoping that now in 2022, you can build stuff you know, going forward here. But Garrett Wilson... Trying to uh, not trying to, but figuring out how much it's going to cost him to take his teammates out to dinner was a tremendous video. If you haven't seen it, the clip's gone viral. So just want to talk about that viral clip. Um, I thought it was funny, and we have a ton of voicemails to get into today. So I didn't want to go super long on the uh, on the monologue part. And like, this is a slow time of year for content anyways it's in between mini camp and training camp so at the end of july things are going to ramp back up again like i'll have my sunday live streams return have taken a few weeks off from that uh the podcast is going to continue to roll every monday because i want to get your questions in but you know, at the top, like on this episode, we'll talk a little bit more about like a fun storyline like that. Like, sure, we could break down some of the other storylines, but there wasn't a ton. And like some of the like the questions that we get, there's I have ten questions this week, so it's gonna be you know a regular length episode. But wanted to do more of a focus on the calls than you know a longer monologue. But I just wanted to point out one flight twenty twenty two. If you haven't seen it, watch that. And number two, if you haven't seen the video of Garrett Wilson learning he's soon gonna be out of $75,000 check that out because that was pretty funny all right first up is Richard in Nevada he wants to talk about using both running backs
2: hey there Matt it's uh Richard again it cut me off before I was about to wrap up my point you can use him in so many different ways uh between Michael Carter and Brees I want to see the Jets turn offenses or turn defenses on their back and just be crazy, be wild. I want to, I want to see some games where we're just going crazy with these two. Anyway. Hey, thanks a lot, Matt,
3: as always go Jets, J E T S jets, jets, jets,
4: always
1: love it. Love that enthusiasm, Richard. And you're right. I think the jets are going to use both running backs. Um, And there's no reason not to, I thought Michael Carter was productive, very productive as a rookie. And yeah, they went out and used a high pick, a high second round pick on a running back. And, you know, he's gonna be used a lot, but it's I don't see Brees Hall as a workhorse. Like, if you're going if out of a hundred carries, I don't think it's gonna be like 90-10 Brees Hall. I think maybe 65, 35, 60, 40, something like that. Okay. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably reasonable, but there's no reason not to use both of those guys. And like There could be, Mike LaFleur has shown that he's a pretty, you know, innovative offensive mind and play caller. Why can't they have two running backs on the field? There's going to be times where they're going to have multiple tight end sets. Why not do two running backs in the backfield? Have one split to the left, one to the right, a little RPO action. You know who's going to get the ball. Sometimes you hand it off. Sometimes it's a play action. I think it's going to be a lot of fun watching both these guys work. And also, both of these guys are good fits in the offense, too. Like, that can't go unstated Uh, both of these guys are massive massive fits so while I was surprised and I probably if it were up to me I probably wouldn't have made the Brees Hall trade-up and Brees Hall pick I've said it then and I'll repeat that now is it's hard to get mad at the Jets for going all in on their young quarterback and at least like they're gonna be fun this Jets team they might not make the playoffs they might not have a winning record but at least more often than not, in my opinion, they're gonna be fun and they're gonna be able to you're to be able to watch them on a week in and week out basis. Cause think about it, man. How long outside of 2015, where you had Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker and Chris Ivory come out and put up over a thousand yards. The Jets haven't had playmakers on offense in forever. It's been so long. And yeah, there's been nice pieces. Like I really liked Robbie Anderson, Bilal Powell, I loved a lot from that era. Before that, you had some like Jericho Cottry was a nice find. And yeah, he had a thousand yard season, but I think it was back in 2007 or eight. It might have been the Favre year. It was either Chad's last year or the 2008 season. He put up a, a thousand yards. But point is, more often than not, if the Jets do have any playmakers, it's on the defensive side of the ball. Those are the guys getting the recognition. How electric would it be if the Jets ended up having like, I don't know, a top 10 running back or a top 10 passing attack with Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore? That has the potential to be really good on paper. And then you add in a couple extra tight ends like, I don't know, I just want to watch some fun football. And it feels like for the first time in a very long time, the Jets have a chance to be fun. So Richard, I'm with you. Use both running backs, please. Next up, we're going to go Adam in New Jersey. He wants to talk about a free agency decision that the Jets made and if they should have did. Something different. All right, let's hear it.
5: Hi, I'm Adam from New Jersey. I just wanted to ask you do you think we should have kept uh, Fatsu Kashi instead of signing Solomon Thomas? Because I loved his run stopping ability. And now that we know about that they're going to be rotating the D line so much, I thought he would have been a really good start. I, I felt like he would have been a really good uh, guy to have for stopping the run. And then he went and needed to sign Solomon Thomas. But at the same time, we probably would have had to have given him a decent-sized contract. Yep. So I want to know what you think about that. How much money do you think we would have had to have given him? And um, then just finally, can you make a Madden series with the Dutch? I think that would be really cool, especially since the Dutch roster is looking really good now. You don't have to now. You could wait until like Madden 23, but I think that would be cool. Anyway, uh, go Jets. Talk to
1: you later. Bye. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate the call. Um, with the Madden series, if you're an OG and been with the channel for a while, uh, during the pandemic, during COVID, uh, I was bored and I, got, I bought a Xbox One. I, I hadn't played video games in like almost 10 years. I bought an Xbox One and did a, did a Madden series where it was like, what if Adam Gates wasn't the coach? And I played as a New York Jets for, I think it was... Madden 19 or maybe it was Madden 20, but it was obviously in uh, the spring of 2020. So whatever Madden that was. Um, I'm not a very good Madden player. Uh, I don't have a current system. Does Xbox, like, can I get the current Madden on Xbox One? I don't I genuinely don't know. I have no idea, but maybe I would do something like that. I think if I had more time, I'll say this. If I was at a point where I was doing content full-time, I would probably do that. I'd be more willing to. There's just... With the full-time job and this too, like there's just not enough hours in the day to do everything that I would like to do. Um, But in a perfect world, something like that would be a lot of fun. So I'm not opposed to that maybe down the line, but right now I think that's probably not gonna happen. As far as the keeping Foley-Fadukasi thing, it's a good question because I think Fadukasi is definitely a better run stopper than Solomon Thomas. But when you look at what the Jacksonville Jaguars gave him in free agency, he got a three-year $30 million dollar, uh, uh, $30 million contract, so essentially $10 million a year where the Jets signed Solomon Thomas for one year, 2.25 million. Now, again, I think Kassi is a better run stopper, but is he worth, uh, is he a $10 million a year player? I, I don't think so. I think they would have had to pay a lot of money to keep him. And Solomon Thomas, at least he knows Robert Sala very, very well. He's thrived in that system. Sure. He probably didn't live up to the hype of where he was taken, but uh, I think he's going to be a nice rotational piece. And while, Losing Fado Kassi in the run game is probably going to hurt a little bit. And I agree with you. He's a better you know, run defender than Solomon Thomas is. I, I don't think he would have made a ton of sense to pay the kind of money that Fado Kassi got from Jacksonville. Um, I think that would have been a mistake. So hopefully that answers your question. But it's a good question because I think you know run stopping could at times be an issue with this team. Let's do Jordan. He's calling and he wants to do Quincy Williams. All right, man, let's do it.
3: Hey, Matt, this is Jordan from Colorado. And I just want talk about Quincy Williams. Everybody always gives these new players time and time in the system. But he got here last year, still played his app butt off. And, yeah, I feel like he gets too much hate. And we'll see what he does this year. Thank you.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's a little bit different because he's had an uh, NFL experience before coming here. And there were some nice moments with Quincy Williams. And I get where... You're coming from them. the Jets are very high on him. They like him a lot. He's going to be a, more than likely going to be a starter for this team this year. Um, My issue with Quincy Williams is the missed tackle numbers are extremely high. He had, yeah, he played 11 games in 2019, seven in 2020, and then he started 13 games for the Jets in 2021 last year, played in 16 games. Fireworks are going nuts outside right now. If you hear that, that's if you hear extra noise, that's what's going on. The 110 tackles and the 73 solo tackles, that pops out on paper. But if you look at on a week in and week out basis, there was some inconsistencies there. And for me, it's just my fear is that if he is on the field or playing significant snaps, those inconsistencies are going to be exposed more than if he was in a role where he wasn't playing the number of snaps that he was like on average, What was the percentage of snaps that he played last year? Does it have it? They got to have snap counts. Yeah, he played 78% of the Jets' snaps last year on defense. If he was at like, I don't know, half of that and rotating around, I think he would be a much more efficient player. But the Jets obviously like him a lot. So you're not alone in that thought process, Jordan. But I'm not, I'm personally not quite there with him. Hopefully he proves me wrong this year. Dylan in Idaho is up next. He has playoffs. Ooh, playoffs. Okay, let's do it. Hey, Matt, Dylan from Idaho. What up, dude? Uh, just
2: first, I want to say thanks for having me on the pod. Sure. It's an honor. I listen to you, Ryan, and Greenbean all the time. A long-time listener, first-time caller. But anyway, let's get to the point. I'm not trying to be a homer or anything, but what I'm hearing from chess fans in general is being a little lackluster about our playoff hopes. So let's go through our chances here. There's seven teams that make playoffs. Uh, after the new rules they passed a few years ago, so if we're going to division winners, that's Buffalo. You got. I got the Chargers. Some people have the Chiefs. I understand that. You got the Colts, and then you got the uh, Bengals. And and let's be nice. AFC West. You know everyone talks about how great they are. Let's give them three teams. Let's give them that other one, of the Chiefs or the Chargers, which are when we didn't pick for the winner, and then let's go with the Broncos. And then we're going to AFC North. I got the Ravens making it there. Some people disagree. So we got four winners, and then two from the West, an extra one from the North. That's three. So our main competitors for that seventh spot. We got the Titans, the Jags, and the Texans, who, I mean, come on, that whole division's trash. Maybe the Titans I think is the best chance in that one. And then you're dealing with the Raiders, the fourth team from the AFC West. You don't see that often. And then you're dealing with Pitt who's got a rookie or Mitchell Trubisky and then you're dealing you're dealing with our guys you know Pats Bills Dolphins uh, and us you obviously got the Bills that are going to make the playoffs um, and I think even the team I forgot in AFC North was Cleveland um, Oh yeah, I, don't, I even... don't even talk about them for the fact we don't even know what their quarterback situation is going to be like yep. Baker's not going to play Lawson's going to be suspended but if those are our main competitors, and you're telling me we can't be better than those teams. I think it's just our division. To be honest, that we got to beat, and and I think we sneak in as the seventies. I just want to hear your thoughts, and and as always, man, go Jeff.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, Dylan. And <laughs> fireworks continue to go. Um, so I wrote down my who I think is going to win the division, and then I guess I'll go wild card. So Bills in the AFC East, Ravens in the AFC North. Chiefs in the AFC West, and I think the Colts in the AFC South. I think the Colts with Matt Ryan. I think the Titans take a little bit of a step back, but for wildcard like Chargers, I feel like absolutely playoff team. Bengals, I think, is absolutely a playoff team, and then you have w- really one spot left, and you have teams like the Broncos, the Raiders, the Patriots, the Jets, the Dolphins, who I think will be competing for that spot. Uh, maybe you throw in. Um, Pittsburgh in there or Cleveland, but I think there's some question marks there. Anything at the Titans, I guess, theoretically, but I wouldn't put them in that conversation. Um, the, I don't know if I could sit here right now and tell you that the Jets have a better chance than teams like the Broncos or the Raiders. Um, that's a, that's a tough ask. And at the end of the day, I think they are just on the outside looking in again. This is another scenario where I hope they prove me wrong and I hope they win. I think that obviously they should be hovering around 500 for most of the year. If they do that and go on a little bit of a run with their weaker schedule, then great. And if they win a couple of games, they're not expected to even better. Um, It's possible I'm not saying that I'm going to bet on it. I think it's probably unlikely, but I like your optimism, and I hope that's the case. That's a. I think that's your best-case scenario for the Jets this year is that they win. I don't know. It's probably going to take 10 games to get that 7 spot. So if they win 10 games, go 10 and 7? All right. Sign me up. Let's do Brett up next from Massachusetts. He has an interesting one where he wants to talk about the Fant and Beckton competition. Hey, Matt. This is
0: Brett, first-time caller from Massachusetts. I was born and raised in New Jersey, moved here a few years ago, and I tell you, it sucks being behind <laughs> Patriot enemy lines. Uh-oh. I really hope we split with them this year. Anyway, I want to ask about a hypothetical regarding George Fant and Mackay Bechton and the competition for the left tackle spot. So as for the hypothetical, suppose we get to the end of wherever we're getting to and it's time to decide who is going to get that left tackle spot and who's going to swing over to right tackle. Now, just for the sake of numbers, and and I'm not saying that this is going to be the case, but let's just assign numbers to things. Let's say that at the end of the day, George Fant is playing at a 10 on the left side, and Makai comes back from his injury, and he's playing at a 9. Okay. I don't know what that means. It's just the numbers don't really mean anything, anything. right? And... On the right side, because you're playing both guys at both positions, you want to suss out where everybody is. On the right side, George Fant's playing at an 8, and Mackay's playing at a 7. I don't know why, maybe he's just a little slow getting back from the injury, a little bit rusty, maybe he's playing at 90%, whatever. So on both sides, it looks like George Fant is playing a little bit better than Mackay. but both players are a little bit better on the left side than the right side, because that's where they've had the most recent success in their NFL careers. Okay. Now, as a coach, does it ever pop into your mind that it's not necessarily whoever wins at left tackle gets to play the left tackle position like we've been talking about over the last few weeks? Does it ever pop into your mind that the loser of the right side swings back over to the left side so that they're more comfortable over there? In that case, like regarding the numbers that I was saying before, that would be like the past few weeks, we've been talking about putting out a 10-7 left-right. But is there ever a scenario where you would go with a 9-8 instead? You still get 17 at the end of the day, but is it better sort of to have a more balanced approach if, if one of those players is struggling at the right side? Or do you just put your foot down and say, best player available at left tackle plays left tackle? Um, now, of course, if you're Coach Sala and, and you would essentially choose the, the loser of the right side to go over to the left side tackle, you would never tell anybody that. That'd be a PR nightmare coming out and saying that you chose the second best left tackle to play left tackle. But anyway, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Thanks, and go Jets.
1: Yeah, Brett, that's a really interesting perspective that I honestly haven't thought of before, and I don't think a lot of people have thought of that, but that's interesting. So essentially he's saying that, if Fant was a perfect 10, let's say at left tackle, but Makai came back and was like a nine. So he's very, very good, but just a little bit behind. But then on the right side, Fant is still good, and Makai is okay and a little bit behind. So do you want to go with the the good and good or like the the great and okay, essentially? And while I see And hear you from where you're coming from. I think that they would go with the best left tackle because I think left the blind side is such an important thing. And outside of the quarterback position, having left tackle down pat, I think, is super, super important. And specifically with Fant, he's the better run, uh, excuse me, he's the better pass blocker of the two. And he's probably the best pass blocker on this offensive line to begin with. So I think that gives him a leg up, and I personally, I think Fant is going to win this left tackle job. I'm not necessarily rooting for that. I would, in a perfect world, I'd like to see Becton win it, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it ends up being Fant, and on the right side, I'm okay with the Becton and AVT one-two punch on that right side. I think it'd be a lot of fun to watch Brees Hall and Michael Carter run wild on that right side, but again, interesting perspective, Brett. Haven't really thought of it like that, but... I think they would just go with whoever was the best at left tackle is going to play left tackle, and whoever you know, loses that job gets moved over to the right side because value-wise, left tackle and having the best left tackle is more important, I think, to your offensive line. Main Jet is up next. He wants to talk Lawrence Cager. Ooh, okay.
6: Hi, Matt. This is main, a main Jet calling. What's up? I wanted to ask you, um, how do you gauge Lawrence Cager's uh, chances of making the team this season? Um, I've been hearing a lot of, a lot of good things about him. He's turning heads and OTAs. He's put on a lot of weight and he's competing with the tight ends, but the tight end room is a pretty full room. So I would like to ask you what kind of role do you see him having? And is there, you know, really good chance that he's going to make the team? Because I can't see any way that he can. Anyway, uh, go Jets and thanks.
1: Yeah, main jet. I don't think he can make this team, and he's trying to. He's trying to, he's switched to tight end, which respect. I think you know, he would have been a big body receiver, but I think he's a little slow at receiver to play it at this level. He's it's an uphill battle for him because he at best is fighting for the fourth spot with Kenny Eboa, and I think Eboa is the better of the two. There, I don't think they're going to keep five tight ends. It's an extremely uphill battle. And even if he try if he wanted to stick at wide receiver, it'd be an uphill battle there too. Cause Jeff Smith is another guy who's had a really good camp and someone who plays special teams. And yeah, that that matters. Special teams matters, but I don't think I can see a scenario in which Lawrence Cager makes this team. Maybe he sticks on the practice squad as depth, but I don't know, man. I'd be pretty surprised with what they brought in this offseason if Lawrence Cager is on this team opening week. Oh, I don't know. All right, let's go to John, who is calling in from Tennessee, wants to talk Flight 2022.
6: Hey, Matt, this is John yeah. out of Tennessee. Thanks, as always, for the content. Uh, I saw your video talking about Flight 2022. Uh, I kind of just want to mention my favorite part of it, which I think shows a lot of Joe Douglas's, you know philosophies and especially his logic and the team's logic on that free call pick and uh, the uh, defensive uh, lineman out of Texas Mayhem who's for some reason I'm liking it on right now. Uh Michael Farm uh, but my favorite line was in talking about he used um, saying that uh, you what's a luxury today might be a necessity tomorrow, which I think really explains, you know I'm looking for that depth at the running back position. And while I think we're all fans of Michael Carter and his abilities, you know, it all it takes one play for him to go down, and then, you know, Kevin Cole a good number three, a hell of a number three, but really, I'm not confident I'm being my number one. So, um, I just thought that was a really interesting line to kind of explain where the team is going to be looking as long as he's the leader of it, you know focusing on getting that depth and best player available kind of thing. You know, obviously, if they have depth for team for somewhere, they might overvalue, but for the most part, I think this team really is going to be a best available kind of team based off of that model. Uh, and then, kind of sticking with the repo and Michael Carter thing, I... Uh,
1: Uh-oh.
6: How, what is your over-under on amount of design play? for the running back to catching the ball where it's literally designed for the recall or Michael Carter from the start. That's where Zach Zach Wilson is gonna be looking to go, not including screen play. I'm curious how many success that the they're gonna have in the playbook. And then also lastly, uh just curious how many times per game do you think we'll see both of them on the field at the same time? Thanks for uh service. as always,
1: good Jeff. Dude You read my mind because I literally just talked about that earlier. Why don't you do? Yeah, maybe a couple times. I don't know. Two, three times per week. You have them both on the field. Uh, So not designed for screens for both those guys. I don't know. Maybe like one or two each somewhere in that spot where there's like a pass play where it like ends up like not a design screen, but they check it down there and they run. I think both of those guys are going to be utilized a ton. Uh, And I I appreciate that call and that insight. And you're so right that Ozzie Newsome quote stood out so, so, so much for me. So much where he's talking about the need. uh, What might be a luxury? I forget the luxury today might be a necessity tomorrow. Happens. Last year, it looked like the Jets were going to have great depth at the wide receiver position. Denzel Mims pooped the bed in the second year. Jameson Crowder got hurt as always. Corey Davis got hurt. Elijah Moore got hurt. And then you're throwing to Tariq Black and these no name guys we we never heard of in the second half of last year. It was crazy. Um but I, I do I do like that quote a lot. And I think they're gonna use both Michael Carter and Brees Hall a ton. So I guess. Four would be my answer for how many times per game they are going to catch passes, the two of them combined, where it's like not a design screen and it's just like, I don't know, that they're they're open in a check down sort of situation. But they're going to be utilized. They're going to utilize both those running backs in both the running game and the passing attack. Let's do Shane. He's in New Jersey, as always. Let's talk free agents.
4: Hey, man. Mr. Matt O'Leary, how are we doing? Champion Jersey giving you a call today. Uh, real quick, uh, question for you is out of like the three free agents that like have been rumored to be visiting us with stuff, uh, Quan, Alexander, Riley Reef and um, the hell. Larry Obi will be from that yep. right, the D Tackle. Like, can you rank those three out of which you would, you know, like the best on our team and maybe fit the most, whatever, who you want the most? Um, for me, it'd be Quan at the top just because he's a linebacker depth. I think he's really good when he plays. Two for me, uh, the tackle, Reef, uh, that depth, God Ridsome Happens, notable starter. Again, he's not going to be a Pro Bowl or anything, but like Phil in the spot and like Morgan Moses would be dope. And then three, the D tackle over Joby. I just think we have a lot of depth there, so I don't know if that's a need, but like I'm not, to, also to preface, I'm not going to be mad at all if we sign any of these three guys. Yeah. No matter what order or whatever like that. But yeah, that's my three, uh, ranking them. What do you think, my man? Uh, can't wait to hear. I uh, love the show. Go Jets. Be good, brother.
1: Thank you, my friend. Um, I think I'm going to go slightly different order, and I'm going to go Riley Reeve first because out outside of, if there was, God forbid, if there is an injury to either George Fant or Makai Becton, who are you turning to? Who's going to come in and play at tackle? Are you going to go Connor McDermott? He was an absolute turnstile when they played last year. You're not going to Chumadoka. He's been bad, bad for three years. How is Chumadoka still on this football team? And then your other option is that maybe you start Max Mitchell, who I like him as a developmental player, but as a fourth-round rookie, do you want him to come in and start for you? Probably not. So I'm going to say him first, Quan Alexander, too. Uh, because I'm not as high as a li- on this linebacker room as what I think the Jets are and then three I guess I would go Ogan Joby and the reason why he's third is I feel like he's very similar to Sheldon Rankin's like they're carbon copies of each other um but linebacker is a, is a really sneaky need so I can't it's like I can't get mad at you for thinking or I can't get mad at anyone for saying linebacker one because I think that is still a big need but I don't know the thought or the fear of losing a tackle and Going, all right, now what? Not the best. Will in Dallas. He's got some questions on Denzel Mims. Ooh, okay.
3: Hey, Matt. This is Will calling from Dallas. Um, I was just sitting in my car um, in front of the gym waiting to go in because it's 103 degrees in Texas and I can't stand it anymore. Um, But I was watching your video on Denzel Mims flashing. And uh, although I keep up with the Jets, Pretty heavily, I know you're much more involved. Um, so I wanted to ask if my expectations or uh, are too high, or if I'm being too uh, optimistic. But is it is it crazy to think that Denzel Mims can take over for Corey Davis next year, and kind of be that number two, number three option? Because I, I mean, talent doesn't just disappear. He's he's such a talented guy, and he had a lot of issues last year and it looked like effort or even just being coherent and knowing yeah. what he's supposed to be doing was, yep. was, definitely lacking. But it, I mean, it's not like he was untalented coming out of college and it's not like he didn't show flashes for sure in his, in his rookie year. Once he hit the field, obviously injuries are a concern, and all the other weird stuff that goes on with them. But tell me, tell me if that is, just completely out of the realm of possibility for twenty twenty three, where we we just cut Corey Davis and let Denzel Mims take over on a on a cheaper deal. Um, yeah, that's that's really all I have for you. Uh, appreciate everything you do, as always. Go Jets!
1: Thank you, sir. Uh, interesting perspective on this one, and I think you're, it's not crazy, by the way. But I think that's your best case scenario. Like Denzel would have to look like what he did as a rookie and consistently for an 18-week period in order for you to make that decision. Because, uh, well, in today's NFL, you need three wide receivers who can play. We are fairly confident that Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore is going to be that. Uh, Corey Davis, I think, will bounce back this year. But the the contract situation is, does play a role. So if Denzel plays well enough where you feel confident and say, hey, I'll save that however many million dollars a year it is, and allocate that money elsewhere, I think that's your best case scenario. But you don't do that move just to do it. Like if Denzel is similar to what he was last year or even just not consistent enough, then you can't You can't do that move. You can't. Um, but if he plays to the level that we, what we saw as a rookie and does it more consistently and is the player that we saw at Baylor, then yeah. That is a completely different conversation. And again, that's probably your best case scenario. Will he ever be a number one putting up a thousand yards? Probably not. But can he be a red zone threat and someone who is a you know role player in an offense? I still think he could be. Again, things have to break right. I'm not giving him a complete pass on last year. It was awful what happened last year, but I'm not ready to just close the book and throw it away and say, yeah, Denzel Mims sucks. He can never make it in the NFL. I I think he deserves training camp, but I think he deserves an extended look in the preseason, and he'll be a a role player this year. I fully expect him to be wide receiver five. I don't think they are trading him. I think it would be a mistake if they traded him and gave up on him, Um, but We'll see. He has a lot to prove still at this level and we'll see how he does in 2022. Elliot's going to close out and he wants to talk Braxton Barrios. Uh,
3: this is Elliot from New Jersey. I wanted to call in about Braxton Barrios. So after watching flight 2022, it was obvious that they wanted to bring back Braxton Barrios. I think we all did and we know he is a great special teamer, but I was wondering what you think about his role in this offense. Do you think, he gets majority of the snaps in the slot, or do you think
5: Elijah
1: Moore does? Um, thank you for taking my call. Right, go Jets. Yeah, um, good question. I don't think he's going to get the majority. My guess would be Elijah Moore. I think the three wide receivers that I expect to get the most amount of snaps, and I think they'll rotate. Like, I don't think it's going to be every single time Elijah Moore in the slot and Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis on the outside. I think they'll move around the formation a little bit. Uh, but I think it's going to be those three. And I think Braxton's going to be more of the role player, which what he was last year. He's a good role player uh, and the special teams guy. Um, that would be my guess. He's going to be utilizing the offense. He's he's made some pretty clutch catches. He's good on third downs. He has a rapport with Zach Wilson. That matters. Um, and obviously, like he's going to play just because I don't think he's going to start or get a majority of those reps. That doesn't mean that he's not going to get any reps and not going to be a part of this team going forward. He will. Um, especially on special teams, more so on specials, but um, he'll get his chances on offense. There's the the jets are going to spread the ball around and he'll get his looks. So I'm not really too worried about that. So that's going to do it on episode 122 of just jets. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe wherever it is. You get the show, whether it's on YouTube, the subs really help a lot. Uh, Same with, if you're listening to the audio version of it, if you're listening to the audio version, if you could leave a review, uh, and a five-star rating, that really mean a lot to me. And comment if you're watching in video form. Uh, the algorithm really helps. Even if you leave a thumbs up, that helps too. So thank you for all the support. We're rolling right along. Happy Father's Day to all the Jets dads out there. I'm Matt O'Leary, and I'll talk to you next time.